Hi, and welcome to Now on Netflix, your official insider's guide to the best of what's streaming on Netflix this week. I'm Henry Goldblatt, executive editor of Todoom.com, the Netflix site made for and dedicated to fans. We're the only official What to Watch podcast coming to you from inside the Netflix headquarters. I'm Jessica Shaw from SiriusXM, and we have some great recommendations for you to add to your weekend watch list. We sure do, Jessica. On today's show, we're going to preview One Piece, a live-action adaptation of the best-selling manga series. But before that, let's talk about some of the latest news coming out of Netflix. First up, we've got Heart of Invictus. It's a five-episode limited series from Prince Harry's Archwell Productions that came out yesterday. Uh, Jessica, tell us a little bit about this. Well, the Invictus Games are these Olympic, like this, this big sporting competition that happens every two years. And as you said, Prince Harry started this, founded this. This was one of his big projects. This series follows a bunch of athletes in, the, in a walk up to the 2022 games. And I have to say, I started this and I thought it was going to be a bunch of heartwarming portraits about different competitors and what they had been through. Everyone who competes is a veteran. They're dealing with physical challenges, with mental challenges and different struggles. And I thought this was going to be a series about a, a bunch of people persevering and victory. And then the thing that fascinated me most is this series is set right in the backdrop of when Russia invaded Ukraine. When they started filming this series, that was not happening. One of the most fascinating people who is profiled is this woman named Yulia, who goes by Tyra. And she is a former paramedic, and her story is so incredible. And then midway through the series, she's captured by Russian forces. And the whole show just changes for me. It's just devastating. And the other thing is a lot of people don't know the Invictus Games have been going on since 2014. This is not a new thing. Um, Prince Harry has really devoted much of his adult life to this. And I was really captivated by it, too. You can check out this five-episode limited series. If you want to stream it over the weekend, it is available. Also in the news, Todoom.com has your first look at the trailer for Rustin, which tells the story of the civil rights movement from a perspective that I hadn't heard before. Um, it stars Coleman Domingo, who you may know from Fear the Walking Dead or Euphoria. Or he was on the latest episode of Project Runway last week where I saw him, too. Um, he plays Rustin, who's an openly gay black civil rights leader who was a driving force behind the 1963 March on Washington. And what makes this trailer so timely is that it commemorates the um, 60th anniversary of the March on Washington earlier this week. And the film itself is going to be out November 3rd in theaters and then November 17th on Netflix. A demonstration made up of angelic troublemakers such as yourselves. Make sure you are there! On August 28th, black, white, young, old, rich, working class, poor, will descend on Washington, D.C. We are committed to the cause of altering the trajectory of this country towards freedom. They either believe in freedom and justice for all. Or they do not. Jessica, was this a story you're familiar with? Not at all. And I'm embarrassed to say not at all, because what an influential person and, and the driving force b behind the 1963 March on Washington. It's also directed by George C. Wolfe, who is absolutely one of my favorite directors. I mean, I, I know him mostly from Broadway things, three-time Tony Award winning director. He also directed Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks, and he's just 
one of my absolute favorite directors. Yeah, I'm super excited to see this one. And again, it streams on Netflix on November 17th. We've got another trailer over on Doom.com in the form of David Fincher's upcoming film, The Killer, which is his first thriller in a decade. It centers on an assassin who battles employers and himself on an international manhunt and stars Michael Fassbender and Tilda Swinton. Jessica, what have you heard about this film? First of all, I love that he's going back to the thriller genre. And like Gone Girl, which was his last thriller adaptation, obviously adapted by Gillian Flynn's novel, The Killer is adapted from writer Alexis Nolan and artist Luc Jacquemont's 1998 graphic novel. And he's also working with Andrew Kevin Walker, uh, who wrote the screenplay to Seven. So it's a little reunion. That is awesome. The movie will premiere at the Venice Film Festival on September 3rd and hit theaters in October before heading over to Netflix on November 10th. I am really excited to have our resident One Piece expert, Philippe Tao, here. He is a writer on Todoom.com, and for the past few months, he has been researching all things One Piece and writing about it. Philippe, it's so good to have you here. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm excited to dive right in. Philippe, for starters, like this is a really expansive, complicated universe. Tell us a little bit about the franchise. Yeah, well, One Piece has been going on for 26 years. That started out as a manga comic in 1997 by Ichido Oda, or Oda Sensei, as his fans like to call him. And so it's this incredible fantasy adventure that follows a young boy named Monkey D. Luffy. And his biggest dream in the world is to become the king of the pirates and find this mysterious treasure called the One Piece. Now, in order to do so, he kind of assembles his own ragtag crew of pirates, and they call themselves the Straw Hats because Luffy always wears a straw hat. And so through his crew, you know, we have a chef, a cartographer, a swordsman, a storyteller, and they all come from different walks of life, but they set sail and meet a bunch of villains and try to find this treasure. Philippe, I have to tell you, I'd never heard of this before this series. I have to admit, I came to this totally new. And when I mentioned it to a bunch of like my kids, friends, whatever, they were like, what do you mean you don't know? This is the hugest thing in the world. This is like 500 million copies of the book sold, video games, movies, and TV series, and all of this stuff. I mean, how did I not know about this? I was trying to put a comparison around it, and the best that I could come up with is The Simpsons in the U.S., which has aired 747 episodes in 34 years, and this thing dwarfs it. How many episodes are there? As of last week, they are at 1,073 episodes, and they're in their 20th season right now. That is crazy. How was Oda involved in this adaptation? Because I know for his fans, um, it's incredibly important that his vision and imprimatur is on this show. Yeah, so he actually serves as an executive producer on the live action show. And he worked really closely with showrunners uh, Matt Owens and Steve Maeda. Matt Owens even said like every creative decision he did for the live action, he always referenced Oda as the blueprint. And in talking to Oda, he also mentioned that he was really integral in casting approval to post-production to even like the color grading to make sure that it still had the same feel and spirit as the anime and the manga. So he was very involved. And even in the past couple months, Oda has handwritten a couple of letters that Netflix released to the fans where he talked about his deep love and the cast and crew's deep love for the story and how excited he is for everyone to see it. Little known detail about Oda that I found very interesting. He doesn't like showing his face. Didn't know. I mean, I respect it. 
whatever. Is, is he like the Sia of um, man- the manga world? <laughs> Correct. Correct. He is. Yes, exactly. I'm curious about how the fans are feeling about a live action adaptation because people get real protective over series that they love. Very much so, especially one that's gone on so long that you've seen transformed through manga to anime. What's going to be really cool for fans, new and old to see is, you know, these characters started out as black and white drawings in a comic, right? And then with the anime, you see them reimagined through the use of color. And now you see them being portrayed by real actors, CGI, special effects. And so even if they're familiar with story arcs or characters, it's a whole reimagination of the entire universe, which I'm sure for a loyal fan must must feel really special to see. Philippe, tell us about some of the actors who are in the show. Yeah. And so our hero, uh, Monkey D. Luffy, he's portrayed by Inyaki Godoy. And one funny thing was when Oda met Godoy at the studio, he told the actor that you're just like the boy I've always been drawing in my manga. And so Inyaki it's just like his character. The two of them are very outgoing, fearless, and ambitious. And Luffy, the character, really is the glue that holds his friend group together. He's fearless and he wants everyone to stay friends. He'll do anything for them, even if they don't see eye to eye. And then in his crew, they call themselves the Straw Hats. And so we have Ronoa Zoro, who is portrayed by McKenyu, and he's this green-haired swordsman. His dream is to be the greatest swordsman in the world. It's a little hard to win him over. You know, he has this really intimidating aura to him, but once you win his loyalty, he'll, like, fight right with you. And then we have Nami, who is portrayed by Emily Rudd, and she is this girl who's a thief and an expert map maker. And so on the ship, she kind of helps the Straw Hats navigate the seas. She's the only girl on the crew, so she's also kind of like their older sister. And then we have Usopp, who's uh, portrayed by Jacob Romero. And he is this big talker where he loves to tell stories, talk about how brave he is, but he's actually really scared and shy. And so he'll fight with a slingshot so that he could like distance himself from danger. And then very last person on the crew is Sanji by Tass Skyler. And he has long bleach blonde hair. He's this really flirtatious, fashionable chef who keeps them well fed on the ship. As you can see, all of these characters are so different from each other, but I think that's what makes watching them so fun. One of the things I love about Monkey D. Luffy, and again, I came to this new, is there's something so endearingly dorky and relentlessly positive about him. He is the ultimate glass is half full. No matter how much this crew is like down and out or things look really bad or there's like a, you know, a decapitated headless clown coming after them or whatever it is, he's like, no, it's all good. Like, we will prevail. Yeah, well, I was interviewing Oda recently, and he mentioned how he didn't want this world to be too bleak, right? And so he wanted to create someone like Luffy, who's very outgoing and always just so optimistic and set him in these scenarios where that might not always be the case. But it's because of those two um, dichotomies that gets people to continue watching him. And the funny thing about Luffy, too, is, you know, his, his limbs are made of rubber. And so in the One Piece world, there's this thing called the devil fruit. And there are different types of devil fruits that if you eat them, you gain some special abilities or powers. And so when Luffy was a kid, he accidentally ate one called the gum gum fruit, which turns his limbs, his arms, his legs into elastic. And so when they go and fight all of these villains, he'll just like swing his arm across a building and like knock you right out. So I think that's my favorite thing about him. 
a hundred. It's so much fun to watch. Like I actually never get sick of watching his arms just stretch out or whatever he does. And I'm like, this never gets old. Right. He doesn't need a chiropractor at all. <laughs> I am 99% sure that's an homage to like one of the Justice League characters in um, like the 80s. Like wasn't there an Elastic Man or a Plastic Man or something like that? Plastic Man. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I always like to ask, Help us put this show in context. Like, if you're a fan of X show, what, why might you enjoy One Piece? Yeah. Well, One Piece is just colorful. It's this expansive universe. There's so much action, friendship. So if you really love maybe Umbrella Academy or Cowboy Bebop or even The Sea Beast, um, it's a great series to start. And it's not just for kids, right? It's for whether you're an adult or like a kid or a teenager, it really touches on all of that. I've known Jessica for a very long time, and I guarantee that she has never watched a manga show before this. <laughs> that is true, but I did watch this whole season. <laughs> yes. How about that? So, Philippe, there's a lot of other One Piece material that's about to be available on Netflix. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, coming in September, you can watch animated One Piece movies or uh, series. Uh, we also already have One Piece right now. And so if you want to dive more into the anime portion, you can definitely do that. What other types of coverage have you done for To Doom that um, if readers want to immerse themselves in this world that they can read? Yeah, well, we have this really robust A to Z glossary. And so whether you're already a fan or you're new to the entire franchise, it'll help you immerse yourself into the world because One Piece has its own language, right? Like they have certain terminology that you might not understand. So I highly recommend pulling that out as you watch. We have a guide to all of the villains that you'll meet this season, an ending explainer, an FAQ with Oda. And then I also want to say people shouldn't sleep on our video content because there's a really fun one I'm excited about where we talk to hair and makeup and special effects team. That is awesome. You can find all of that information on todoom.com and One Piece is out on Netflix today. Jessica, we're heading into Labor Day weekend, and I noticed that Netflix has a ton of fun comedies hitting um, our service on September 1st, and I want to go through some of them because there are some real gems in here, starting with Baby Mama, which I had almost forgotten that existed. Um, do you remember the premise of Baby Mama? Um, how dare you? Also, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, obviously iconic duo. Yes, it's about this executive who hires someone, a, a surrogate to carry a child and the wackiness that ensues. What happens when this odd couple of Tina and Amy come together to create a baby? This was sort of at the height of the Tina and Amy fandom. It was from 2008. Tina plays the uptight business executive and Amy's sort of the let it all loose surrogate. It's just a joy to watch. And I'm definitely going back to revisit it. Oh, uh, 100%. I mean, Tina and Amy, absolutely iconic duo. And this is from their heyday. Uh, one of the movies I've seen most in my entire life is Field of Dreams. And the reason is that um, during the summer of 1989, I was working at a movie theater. And I must have seen it like between 40 and 50 times. And it is coming September 1st as well. It stars Kevin Costner and Ray Liotta and James Earl Jones. And a young Gabby Hoffman, who plays Kevin Costner's daughter. It's, of course, um, a wonderful, wonderful, heartwarming baseball drama. And um, I can't wait to see it for 51st time. I love what happens to men when you say those three words, field of dreams. They all just turn into little puddles of tears and emotion. It's like when you say pretty woman to a woman, it's like there's something that is just in your DNA that makes you respond to this film. What happens when I say miscongeniality to a woman? 
Uh, I mean, like, forget it. I'm like Sandra Bullock, <laughs> Benjamin Bratt. I am. I go crazy. I'm like it one is, or two. It is also one is also coming um to Netflix on September 1st. It of course stars Sandra Bullock as FBI agent Gracie Hart, who has to go undercover at a beauty pageant in order to um thwart some crimes. And Sandra Bullock walking in heels in that movie is one of my favorite scenes in the entire world. Oh my god, one of the funniest movies, best performances. Hundred percent. Also coming to Netflix on September 1st is Super Bad, starring Jonah Hill and Seth Rogen and Michael Sarah and Emma Stone. I love any movie that's about that mission to I have to have sex before college. I mean, we've seen this story told in eight billion different ways, different films, different series. But when you have a cast like that, Jonah Hill, Seth Rogen, Emma Stone, I mean, forget it. Another movie that we have coming up to Netflix um, on September 1st is Up in the Air, starring George Clooney, the 2009 film about a well-traveled businessman and an affair that he has. For people who fly a lot, it captured the loneliness of being on a lot of business trips, I will say. And his co-star, Vera Farmiga, is excellent in it, too. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a wonderful movie. I have a lot of anxiety about flying, so I tend not to watch movies that have any scenes that take place at 36,000 feet. And yet I love this one, which tells you everything you need to know. And then finally, on September 5th, we have both Anchorman 1 and Anchorman 2 coming to Netflix, of course, starring Will Ferrell and Christina Applegate and Steve Carell and Paul Rudd about a 1970s San Diego anchor crew. I laugh till I cry every time I see this movie. This is one of the funniest movies. I actually recently interviewed Christina Applegate and we were talking all about this film and how much she loved it and what it's like to do improvisational comedy at times in front of Will Ferrell, which is like, oh my God, one of the greatest of all times. And she is so good in this. She is just terrific. And it just reminds you of what an amazing comedic actress she is. And her timing is impeccable. And it's so funny during the whole married with children era that she sort of came of age as everyone like wrote her off as a bimbo and as someone who just sort of lucked into the role because of her looks. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Absolutely. I mean, she talked about that with me, how she couldn't even get auditions for things because people thought they didn't want the negative quality that she brought to a project because they essentially equated her with Kelly Bundy. She went on to do Anchorman. She went on to do Dead to Me, one of my favorite series of last year. I was just about to say for anybody who's looking for a binge over this Labor Day weekend, and if you've not seen Dead to Me, like turn off this podcast now and turn on Dead to Me. It's three seasons. It's half hour episodes. It's about two women played by Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini who meet in a grief group and how their story unfolds over three seasons. And it is funny and poignant and surprising. And it's one of my favorite shows of the past three or four years. I love this show so much. And if the Emmy Awards ever happen, Christina Applegate better win. Co-sign that completely. That's going to do it for this week's Now on Netflix. One Piece, as well as all the shows and movies we talked about today, are out now. So be sure to add them to your watch list for this weekend. And if you're a One Piece fan, check out the MANA podcast, hosted by One Piece writer and co-showrunner Matt Owens you can get ready to dive deep into all things manga and anime. Next week, we'll be previewing the fifth season of Virgin River, and new episodes of this podcast are released every Thursday. You can find us at your friendly neighborhood podcast store. And lastly, be sure to read exclusive coverage about all the shows and movies we talked about, plus much, much more on to 